Now, the first giant or inhabitant that God mentions here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1, are the Hittites. The Hittites. So that's 2850. 2845 and 2865 in the Hebrew and the Strong's Concordance. So if you have a Strong's Concordance, I'm giving you these specific numbers so that you can go home, look them up and do some further study on them and find that the meaning that I'm giving you here is correct. So I'll give that to you again. 2850, 2845 and 2865 in the Hebrew in the Strong's Concordance. So the word literally means fear, terror, to break down either by violence, confusion and fear, to make afraid, beat down, discourage, cause to dismay, to scare, to go down, to terrify. So these are some of the demonic oppression that we have to face. And these are some of the demonic spirits that we have to face. The meanings of each of these names, each of these words, represents obstacles and barriers, demonic oppressions uh, and demonic spirits that we're going to have to combat and overcome in order to step into our promised land. Are you with me? Now, the Hittites were a fierce nation that struck fear in the hearts of their enemies. The enemy, Satan and demons, use fear as a weapon against us to keep us from stepping into our promised land, from going higher in God. And God throughout his word continually told the Israelites and tells us in turn through the word not to fear, be afraid or be dismayed. So these are commandments, not suggestions. I want you to receive these statements as commandments not suggestions. They are commandments from the word. Too many of us are taking these as suggestions rather than commandments when we should be taking them as commandments, not suggestions. So Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. He didn't say, Try not to be afraid. He said, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Not in another five years, not in another 10 years, not in another 20 years, but today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Now, this is a prophetic word to you from the Lord. This is a prophetic promise to you from the Lord. Now, what is he saying to you? He's saying to you and I just to be still, to trust him, to rely upon him, to depend upon him and to rest in him and trust him to go before you and fight for you. To go before you, fight for you and win you the victory. Verse 14, it says, The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. In other words, be still and trust him to accomplish the promise for you. Trust him to bring it to pass for you in the situation as you continue to do your part in obedience to the Lord. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 17 and and verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 7, 
verse 17 and verse 18. It says, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, not, not try not to be afraid of them. You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Another prophetic word to you from the Lord. Many people who are hearing me give this message right now are saying in their hearts, this situation is too much for me. It's too big for me. It's never going to change. It's never going to get better. This is it. This is the end. And you've lost all hope. Now, the ir- irony of it is the situation is too much for us. It is too big for us, but it's not too much or too big for God Almighty. The Lord is saying to you, if you're feeling discouraged right now, if you're feeling like the, this problem you're facing is the greatest problem you've ever faced and you don't know how you're going to get through it and this is it, this is the end, the Lord is saying to you, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of what you're facing. But you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. One of the ways you're going to overcome this is by remembering what the Lord has done for you in the past how he was faithful to you in the past, how he delivered you in the past, how he's upholding you and sustaining you now and that he's not a man that can lie and he will fulfill every promise he's given you and that he cannot change. So if he delivered you in the past, he'll deliver you again and again and again and again and again. As long as you trust him, as long as you continue to walk with him, as long as you cling to him and continue to obey him by his grace, he will deliver you again and again and again and again and again. Paul the Apostle confirms this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. So this is Paul the Apostle here writing about the faithfulness of the Lord. He says, who delivered us from so great a death, past tense, who does deliver us, present tense, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us, future tense. Now, why was he able to say in whom we trust that he will still deliver us? Because the Lord delivered him again and again and again and again and again in the past and was faithful in the past and God showed his faithfulness to Paul the Apostle in the past and was continuing to in the present which birthed in Paul the faith to believe that the Lord will do it again and again and again and again and again as he was trusting him, obeying him and resting in him. Now, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It says, have I not commanded you? So what I'm giving you here are commandments. They're not just suggestions. You can take them as suggestions, but if you take them as suggestions, you're not going to see victory because a suggestion can be thrown away without regard, but a commandment needs to be obeyed. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the Lord is saying there's no need for you to be afraid. There's no need for you to be dismayed because not only am I with you, but I am within you. 
And as long as you're intimately connected to the Lord and walking with Him in childlike faith, trust and obedience, the enemy cannot do anything to destroy you. I said the enemy cannot do anything to destroy you. Exactly. He may try, but he won't succeed. The book of Isaiah says, No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The weapons may be formed, but they will not prosper. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit, right? Um, Shannon's just confirming for me that this is coming straight from the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you something, I'll tell you something, that uh, scripture reference I just gave you wasn't even in my notes. The Lord just popped it in my spirit and said, speak it out. Just then. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I hope I'm not going too quickly for you. If I am going too quickly, just write the references and study them at home during the week. And I expect you to study what I'm giving you during the week. Don't just let it slide. Whatever I teach you, whatever I'm giving you in these meetings, go home and study them during the week. Get the Word of God in you. As you fill your heart with the Word of God, it will develop the faith in you that you need to go on. It will give you the strength that you need to persevere and to come through victorious. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So this is telling us it's not God's will for us to be walking in fear or living in fear. It's not God's will for us to be bound by a spirit of fear, whether a human spirit of fear or demonic spirit of fear. See, there's a human spirit of fear that has come about because of the fall of man. But there's a demonic spirit of fear that actually latches on to a human spirit of fear or somebody who is overcome by fear or being controlled by fear. And the enemy uses that to bring and keep that person in bondage. That's why it's so important that we die to the flesh. We die to the sinful nature. We ask the Holy Spirit to put our flesh or our sinful nature to death. We put off the old man and we put on Christ. Because the old man is full of anxiety, fear, unbelief, doubt, everything ungodly and spiritually filthy. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. How many of you can testify that when the enemy brings fear upon you, it torments your mind? See, the enemy, Satan and demons, use the circumstances around us to bring us into fear. If we allow him to do that, once he brings us into that place of fear, he is able to torment our minds. He has access to our minds and is able to torment our minds, right? Because fear has torment, fear brings torment. When you're walking in fear or bound to fear, you have no peace. You have no joy. You're always worried about what's going to happen next, what this person has said, what that person has said. Am I going to succeed? Am I going to fail? Am I going to do well or not? 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And the love that the word of God is talking about here in the Greek is agape or agapeo, which is the love of God expressed towards and through his people. Right, so this is telling us that the love of God is not made perfect in someone who is bound to a spirit of fear. And no one who is bound to a spirit of fear or walks in fear can go higher in God until that's dealt with first. Now, the agapeo love of God is what flushes the fear out of you. And I'll show you how it works. I'll tell you exactly how it works. Right, Faith destroys fear. And faith is based upon trusting God, which is established upon the love of God. Now, this is the key. This is the key to it. So listen carefully and write this down because I want you to do this. Right? The word of God tells us not just to hear the word, but to obey the word, to do the word, to practice the word. The more time you spend with God and in his word, the more you're going to get to know him and the more you're going to come to know his love for you. The more you come to know God and his love for you, the more you're going to trust him. The more you trust him, the more you're going to be able to depend upon him. And that's the place of rest. That's called the secret place of the Most High. Psalm chapter 91, verse 1 and 2. So the more time you spend with God and in his word, the more you're going to get to know him and his love for you. The more you get to know him and his love for you, the more you're going to fall in love with him or the deeper you're going to fall in love with him. The deeper you fall in love with him, the more you're going to trust him and the more you trust him, the more you're going to depend upon him for and in everything. And no matter what the enemy says or does, no matter what people say or do, no matter what's happening around you, it will not move you or affect you. Why? Because your eyes are fixed on Jesus and his love for you. You are grounded in his word and nothing can shake you or move you. I mean, that's how it works. It flushes out the fear. The fear begins to disappear to the point where there is none left. Why? Because you're no longer worried about Joe Blow. You're no longer worried about this person over here, that person over there. You're no, wor- no longer worried about who's saying this, who's saying that. You're no longer worried about what the enemy's going to say or do. You're no longer worried about whether I'm going to succeed or not. You're no longer worried about what's going on around you because you are rooted and grounded in the love of God and his word. And that's a secret place of the Most High. And that's the place where the enemy cannot touch you. That's the place where you cannot be moved. That's a place where you become immovable. Now, the best way to overcome fear is to take a step of faith and do the thing that the fear is trying to stop you from doing within reason. Right, within reason. If you're afraid of heights, don't go and climb a, a tall building and then jump off it. All right, don't take what I'm saying literally in that way. Okay? Within reason. Now, I'll give you an example where it comes to ministry. If you know that God has called you to preach and you have a fear of speaking in public, the way you overcome this is with God's help by getting up and speaking when God gives you the opportunity or opens the door for you. God will give you the opportunity. He'll open the door for you. When he does, you have to step through. Remember, John saw a door standing open in heaven. 
Right, God will open the door for you, give you an opportunity. If you just sit there and do nothing, you'll go around the mountain again. But if you get up and say, I'm going to obey the Lord, then that's the moment you come to the next level and you step in your promised land because that is your promised land. That opportunity is the doorway that leads you into your promised land. If you're called to be a preacher, I'm giving a specific example. If you're called to be a preacher, then the door God opens for you or the opportunity he gives you is a doorway that will lead you into your promised land. If you've refused to step through it, you're not going to step into your promised land. If you do step through it, you will step into your promised land or the place the Lord has ordained for you to step into at the present time. I'll give a more uh, general example. Uh, if you've been hurt by someone and you have unforgiveness in your heart and you, you might be afraid of forgiving that person or going to that person and uh, asking for forgiveness or expressing the fact that you've forgiven them, then what you need to do is you need to do the exact opposite to what the fear is telling you to do or what the fear is trying to stop you from doing. But you have to do the exact thing that fear is trying to stop you from doing. So you need to get up. Well, first of all, in your heart, you need to forgive the person. Then you need to get up and go to that person and communicate with them. If that's what, what God has called you to do in the situation. If that's what he requires of you in the situation. If you refuse to do that, there will be an obstacle or a barrier between you and God because unforgiveness serves as an obstacle or barrier between us and God. Because Jesus said, if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. Which means that there's an obstacle or barrier between uh, those who refuse to forgive and God. Which in turn means that you're not going to be able to go to a deeper, higher level of relationship and intimacy with God and you will not be able to receive whatever he has for you until that unforgiveness is first dealt with. And we have a part to play in dealing with issues of this kind with God's help and with his assistance or by his grace. Men, so that's the Hittites.